Welcome to the People of Packaging podcast, where we introduce people to the world of packaging and the people of packaging to the world. Here are your hosts, Adam Peek and Ted Tate. Well, I am here at the brand new, fair to say, brand new visible supply chain warehouse here in in Salt Lake. What part of Salt Lake is this? It's in West Valley City. West Valley City. We call it the Raceway Warehouse because it's right next to the old Rocky Mountain Raceway. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, and is that that's not active anymore? No, it's I'm gone. new to Utah. They're so. destroying it, so it's uh, it'll be a warehouse here in the next year or so. It'll be your warehouse, you think? I hope so, but yeah. we'll see. <laughs> I, I know we're continuing to expand, so we'll see what happens. That's awesome. So I'm here with Jeff Bean, and uh, Jeff is the executive vice president of packaging manufacturing, and he's got a really cool story. We've had an opportunity to talk before, and um, you know, like I said, we're in an office here. There's a warehouse around us. You might hear some some forklift, you know, beeps and some things like that. So that'll add to the uh, that'll add to the allure, I think, That's of, right. the, That's right. of the podcast. Add to the ambiance of the of the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <clears throat> um, so Jeff, uh, you know, this is this is the people of packaging podcast. Um, you know, while we could probably, you know, we could certainly sort of uh, nerd out a little bit on you know, specifics of packaging and, you know, let's talk about fluting and, you know, right. liners. There's there's going to be a very select few of packaging engineers who will be super jazzed. Who will be awesome yeah. and excited at the thought that we're talking about the nitty gritty of it, but you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think that the, the stories have been really compelling, um, just hearing from different people and, you know, how they got into it. So why don't we just start with who is, who is Jeff Bean? And uh, I'm going to really try hard to not call you Mr. Bean. You can call me Mr. Bean. <laughs> I'm just not as good as Rowan Atkinson. I wish I was. He's, he's, a, a, he's, a, he's amazing. hilarious. Yeah. He's one of my favorites. I lived in England for a couple years, and, and a lot of people called me Mr. Bean. Um, and so it was, quite, uh, it was quite funny when my wife and I got engaged and our nieces um, met me for the first time. Uh-huh. They looked at me and they said, "You're not Mr. Bean," <laughs> you know. So it was it was quite funny to to have them uh, uh, be disappointed in their uncle Bean already. Oh but, man! Uh, and your but wife is good. is British? Yes, she okay. is. She uh, I met Christine in England when I was there. She was a flight attendant for Virgin Atlantic, and and uh, just uh, of course immediately fell in love and. And we got married. We're 27 years now. We'll That's be 28 awesome. years this next year. And we was have, it the accent? Was that the? Thing it was. Really yeah, did? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and she doesn't have a horrible accent like the Londoners. She's a more northern <laughs> accent, which is a nice. I don't one. know what that means, but oh, we it, do have people in in the UK who listen to our podcast. So yeah, somebody so will be like, those somebody from shows the north, up knocking on your yeah, door. Those from the north will say that's exactly right. Those from okay. London say ours isn't that bad. Okay, but at uh, least it's not Liverpool or something. Yeah, oh, <laughs> those are tough accents. To understand. I've got I've got a friend. Shout out to Rob Lewis, my friend. Rob from Lewis, yeah, nice, yeah, yeah. My my wife's from Stoke on Trent, which is in the potteries where they make Wedgwood pottery and things like that. Okay, um, so it's a beautiful area. Love it. I've been uh, I've been in packaging for a long time now. When we got first got married, I I was looking for a job and started to work for Zellerbeck. Mm-hmm. Um, and Zellerbeck at the time was a paper and packaging house and. 
and I was a temporary dock worker when I started, moved into order filling, and I cut paper for uh, about a year and a half, um, and then went into customer service in packaging. And one of the, one of the great blessings of, of being in customer service is you deal with so many different product lines and so many different products in packaging right. that you just go, wow, how's that used? What is it? You know, and so you, you start to study and learn and you, you can't go to Costco or Sam's Club without just geeking out on, on stuff oh, yeah. that one, you know you've produced or sold. Or used or whatever, right? Or you can right? make better even. Or That's you can even make better, right? You look at it and you go, uh, that design is not very good. We need to fix that. Yeah. But so, so there from that point, um, it was really interesting. They told me I would be in customer service for three to five years. Well, 18 months later, Paul Dickamore called me into his office and he said, Jeff, you've created your own opportunity. Mm. Um, we're going to send you to Colorado where I worked in Longmont in okay. the Boulder County area. Boulder County was my territory basically okay. for, for Zellerbeck and where I, I gained a passion for, for uh, the materials side mm -hmm. and understanding different materials and, and uh, worked there for eight years and moved back to Salt Lake um, actually for Zellerbeck and just have had a great experience. I've worked on the manufacturing side a little bit in the bagging uh, for automated packaging for okay. Weber marking systems on the labeling side. So I've, I've branched a little bit into some different areas, but about, oh, 10 years ago, uh, I was working for a mail order pharmacy automation company and um, the company ended up going bankrupt, but uh, I was selling to what was ProStar then, which is now visible today, okay. uh, they were a client of mine. And the owner, Jared Starling, um, was, uh, was one of my clients for a lot of years. In fact, when I was in customer service, I was his dad's inside salesperson, okay. uh, Gary Starling, Got who it. founded ProStar, okay. founded all of this, right? And so, so it was kind of interesting. I've known the Starling family for a long time. And then about the time I started with Visible, uh, then ProStar, Casey Adams, our president, started, and he and I, uh, with Jared, formed the original ABS packaging, um, which is now Visible Packaging. Okay. Uh, when we formed Visible, we took all of those other organizations, put them under the Visible umbrella. And right. so uh, I'm, the, I'm one of the original uh, founders of the packaging company with Invisible. Okay. And that's why I um, am just enjoying packaging. Uh, I've been given a great opportunity by Casey and Jared. Um, you know, we did a lot of market analysis in the Utah market and determined that really this market has a great need for um, converting capabilities on the corrugated side. Okay. And so that's how that's we started. That's primarily what you guys do is it, yes. in the manufacturing side of Correct. things. Correct. On the manufacturing, all we do is corrugated at this point. Right. We do have a design center, but we also have our, our, um, our Flexo where we can produce uh, RSCs. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it doesn't produce anything but RSCs, um, but we also have still our distribution business as right. well that I kind of started. I, I, I literally built the order, bought the product, delivered the product, invoiced the product, collected the money. Uh, in, the, in the beginning, I was the only one, and so it, it kind of made it an exciting venture, wore me out, but I'm sure it was a good time. So. And so you had mentioned, um, and we'll, we'll kind of come back to a little bit about what you guys are doing here, but you had mentioned you're, you're married, yep. you know, you have, do you have children? I have three children uh, and two grandchildren. Awesome. Uh, Rosie and Hadley, love them. 
Uh, in fact, my big flex but not, was not named your three after Rosie. You want, you no, name, you want name the no, three no, children, no. I, the grandchildren. <laughs> Lizzie, Lizzie, Ethan, and Sophie. I, I've already paid <laughs> paid for them. It's it's these grandbabies I care about now. Yeah, that's there, awesome. There is a true a truthfulness to um, you don't kill your kids so you can have grandkids. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, I I I love to I love to spend time with them. Uh, and and my kids as well. We have a lot of fun together. Uh, we get together almost weekly as a family. We're, okay. we're a very strong, uh, close knit family. And uh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's 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 good fun to be with them. And now the grandkids are a huge added bonus. And I, I love to golf. Um, golf has been the only thing I've really known how to do from a hobby standpoint. Okay. Uh, I've been fly fishing for a bunch of years, but I'm not great at it. I love it, but. I'm not. I'm not like yeah, some people who are really good at it. I don't even. I, I go catch my fish at the Smiths Marketplace. <laughs> it's always. It's I always, always get. Fresh. I always get a catch. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. You catch every time. My yeah, wife. I hunt. I hunt and fish there. It's amazing. Yeah, see, yeah. And my wife, she's quite funny. She'll. I'll come home from fishing. She'll say, "Did you actually fish today, or were you just casting again?" Yeah. You know. So. So it's. Uh, it's always a joke in our house because I'm just not great at it. But I love the outdoors. I love being out there. I was a scoutmaster for ten years, and okay. and so I love being with the scouts and and with the youth and building them up. I love to serve people. That's that's yeah. kind of who I am. I, I love to serve and and uh, so that's awesome. And in, in in this position you're able to even kind of grow, you know, a, a, a business within a business. And right. you know, one of the I I've, I've always thought one of the coolest ways that we can serve people, because I do business development and sales is create, helping to create good jobs for oh, yeah. people. You know, good, satisfying work for people yeah. is is one of the most, I think, one, one of the greatest things that, that gets to happen. So do um, you have a favorite golfer? Do you have somebody that – I love golf because I can nap during it. Yes. So yes. I'll watch a little bit of golf, but I don't know many of the players. So I grew up loving Freddie Couples. Fred Couples was, was my favorite golfer. He always had a very pure swing, very smooth. Um, you know, of course, you've got your greats, Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas, and those, um, Ben Hogan. Um, just for the for the younger people listening, Arnold Palmer is not just a drink. It's with, not just a, a tea, and uh, tea and lemonade. Yeah. It's an yeah. actual great golfer. That's yeah. exactly right. Some people he, may not know that. It was his favorite drink, which oh, which yeah. is how it got its name. But uh, got it. But yeah, I, and and a lot of your your younger players now are just fun to watch. You know, Rory McIlroy is great to watch. Tiger Woods. Uh, in his day was was just amazing to yeah, see almost, because almost can't miss TV right yeah I mean it, it really is when you when you understand and most people don't that's why they don't play golf is they don't understand how challenging it actually is it's yeah. not an easy sport um, to be able to do what they do so it's it's if you understand the game you can appreciate their right. greatness if you don't well it just looks like they're hitting a ball I was watching we don't have to talk about golf the whole time but I was watching uh, <laughs> I was watching the Masters once and I was on the phone with, uh, with you know, one of my best friends in the whole world. I've known him since preschool. His name's Doug, yeah. and uh, and Doug had played the Masters course once. And Doug's a really, he's Ooh. a really good golfer. And we were watching this shot, and uh, I said, "Are you watching the shot from Tiger?" And he said, "No way. He keeps this ball in the green." Right. He's like, "I know this hole. There's there's not a chance in the world." And he put that thing within probably three or four inches of the hole. And he's yep. like, "I don't even know." I don't even know how you how you do that. I mean, yeah. the, the level of precision that these guys have is it's it's amazing. Yeah. And, and and that's and I think that's what I love about it so much is because you, if you know how to hit the shots, it's really really fun. 
And, and, right. and packaging is very much like that. If you actually understand what you're working towards and, and know what you're doing from uh, for whatever substrate you're working with, whether it be a film, uh, a foam-based product, or a corrugated, a paper-based, mm -hmm. I mean, th there's so many amazing people out there who've created some in awesome technology on right. films or, or paper and in the way that they, they design and build, you know, coated sheets or whatever. There's so much that if you actually understand what it took to create it and the and the minds that, that created that, mm -hmm. you'd have a greater appreciation. Yeah. That's why I geek out on it because I think right. it's really, really cool. I, yeah, the so. first time I was ever in a corrugated, uh, like a, a corrugated facility making, you know, rolls of corrugated, yeah, yeah. it was amazing just to see the processes and how the webs all kind of went around. And I mean, the length and the time and the, even just the engineering that went into the... Um, you know, just the glue to bring everything together right. was like, and, and people don't think that they get a box and the heat, then they, the starch, the everything. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, it it's was, pretty amazing. It was wild. Um, well, you know, I was, I was visiting a plant down in uh, Mississippi, one of international papers plants, and we were on the corrugator side and the heat that it takes to create uh, this paper is so intense mm -hmm. and they were saying and there's an area where and I don't remember what part of the the corrugator it is but there's an area where people go up a little bit higher um, in, in inspection and things like that and the temperatures over 120 degrees oh year-round with the humidity that that's in Mississippi, in Mississippi right. I mean it's really intense and they said that the average employee loses 40 pounds in their first year when they work in that area because it's it's just so intense on the body. So if people understood what it takes to make a box, maybe they'd appreciate it more, but yeah. you know. Well, and, and having spent a little bit of time in the South, you know, I was just out in, in Memphis <clears throat> and, yeah. you know, I've been, to, uh, I've been to Louisiana and Florida. I will say that uh, the food there is so incredible. Great. I would probably want that job just to stay in some <laughs> kind of shape because I just would That's eat exactly and eat right. And eat. I would, when I was in Memphis, uh, um, I realized I ate, I ate two breakfasts. I ate the breakfast in the hotel and I was driving. I was like, this place looks good. And I didn't even think about it. I just went and had this massive breakfast and I was it's, like, it's like brisket. You know, it's because like beef food brisket is tacos. good. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. That's um, awesome. Cool. So uh, you are. Um, you're here. How how old is this particular branch of Visible, even going back to the ABS days? How long have you guys been kind of doing the package? So March will be eight years. Okay. March 5th, 2012 is when we started. And we, we started as a distribution organization, um, have grown uh, literally from zero um, to just shy of $20 million That's in awesome. eight years. Um, and it's and it's because we were a service driven. I mean, the products are just commodities. Mm -hmm. Every every bit of our product is just a commodity, from tape to stretch, to shrink to corrugated. I mean, you can buy it from anyone. Yep. Um, but we we did same day deliveries for years. Um, we've we've as our growth hit a, a certain point, we've had to move to next day service on on some of it. But still, quite a few of our clients receive their product same day. Um, you know, and one of the reasons we decided to branch from just distribution into manufacturing was because we could see a change in this particular market. Right. Um, the market we're focusing on right now is Utah. We, we have Memphis and Atlanta, but we don't have focused sales in those areas yet. 
because this market had such a great need. We're, it does, yeah. we're putting our resources here to start. Um, and the reason we put in a flexo is because converting capacity shrunk so bad right. that, that lead times right now are, are you know three, four, five weeks. Uh, and, and some of your small and medium clients that don't produce a lot of, uh, of uh, volume their pricing's through the roof, and they may mm -hmm. not get their products. Right. And so what we what we decided was, we needed to make sure that those clients could be serviced and and taken care of because those clients become the giants in the future. Sure. Right. They become the ones, and then they remember how well you took care of them. Yeah. Ours, ours is about building relationships. Yeah. So. And one of the things, I mean, this has been my uh, something that I've always kind of lived by just just internally is you know businesses in our industry and this, this is I think this is a broad statement um, but you're you're really paid in two ways you have you know you need money obviously so you have to make money right um, but you're also paid in in the people and the relationships that you can build right. and and those actually I think long term become equal to if not more valuable than the income that you bring in. And if you lose sight of either or, if all you do is just dump all of your resources and take care of people, but you have no profit, right. you can't sustain. But if all you do is focus on the bottom line and you neglect people and you neglect relationships, you know, you, you end up in a, in a world of hurt. So. so one of the things about Visible that, that our culture is so focused on its people. Now, of course, we're focused on growth. We know how to grow. That's the good part, right? Mm -hmm. the, the growth rates that we've experienced are, are unheard of um, in most industries. Yeah. But where our focus is, is making sure that our people, um, first of all, have a good, stable place to come to work, but, but more importantly, that they're given an opportunity to expand their, their knowledge base, to expand their experience and capability. Um, but also to make good decisions, mm -hmm. and and even even all the way on to the most basic jobs, to the most technical jobs, to the most um, you know financially impacting jobs within within Visible, everyone has a say and an opportunity uh, to help us be better every single day, yep. and everyone gets to share in that success. So no, oh, that's awesome. Um, I wanted to even go back. Uh, um, so. You, you had mentioned, like, you met your wife and you got into packaging. Um, and then we're going to, af after this, we'll kind of talk about some of the future state of yeah. packaging that you see. And so, but uh, when we were talking, you have, you have a, a fairly uh, different backstory. Maybe that's a, a kind of a, a cool way of putting it. Um, but one of the things that we really try to highlight is that Packaging is this is this uh, is this awesome industry. You know, it's been around for a long time. It's not going anywhere. Right. You know, we're not teleporting products off the end of a manufacturing line directly to a consumer. So it's got to be as much as they want it to be. It's exactly not yeah. Anymore. We're not we're not there yet. So, um, but but the opportunities that exist, I don't think that people realize it because there's a there are some career paths that are just starting to come through colleges and that have been around for a little bit. But yeah. you know, it, it's not people just sort of find their way into into packaging. Nobody, hardly anybody, I did one interview with a guy who said, yeah, my grandfather did this, my dad did this, and this is what I wanted to do. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's really, that's a different story too, because you don't sure, hear that sure. often. Well, and, and it's multi-generational is so few and far between anymore mm -hmm. when it, in any industry, right? Um, but in, in my case, when I got home from England, 
um, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was 22 years old and, and getting married, and I didn't even have a job. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was going to do. And so when I started as a temporary dock worker, I knew how to load trucks. I knew how to stretch wrap pallets. That's yeah. all I knew. Um, I didn't attend college. I didn't graduate from high school. Um, I had to go back and get my GED later on. Uh, I still have not. I tried to go to Salt Lake Community College and did two classes, and, and my ADD does not allow me to just sit and do those things. I can't I can't do it. I can do by hands-on, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so for me to go into an industry it had to be that I, I had to be able to just get my hands and, and just my hard work and my drive yeah. is how I was going to be successful. And that's why I give credit to uh, Paul Dickamore. Um, Paul uh, truly is the reason I'm where I'm at today because he was willing to say, I'm going to give this kid a shot. Right. And as, as crazy as he is and as, as uh, you know, the bouncy ball in a box that's going from left to right, uh, he, he saw the potential There's in me. There's something there, right? Yeah, he saw the potential. And, and although corporate policy was that you had to have a bachelor's degree, he went to bat for me and made it so I didn't have to have all of those because he could see the potential because of what I had done. Sure. You know, I mean, it was like like his words, you created your own opportunity. And so for me, school wasn't a thing that I had an ability to do. It's not, not my forte. But if I was to encourage someone into packaging, um, one, because it's cool, mm-hmm. it, I mean, if you just go shopping and spend one day looking at the different types of packaging, oh, it's, unbelievable. it's amazing. Right. And the different graphic capabilities and the different uh, design styles. I mean, it's, it's so fun to see. And then when you learn how it's all made, it makes all the difference in the world. Right. Um, but, but if I was to encourage someone today, if they have the ability to go to college, do it. Mm-hmm. There are some fantastic packaging schools oh, out yeah. there. Clemson, Michigan State. Or is it Michigan or Michigan State? Michigan State. Don't Michigan that State. That's why. It's like, is it I don't Utah or make BYU? A, I don't know. Oh, which, I know. That's the, so just calm down. Yeah, that's the hard <laughs> part, right? I would never confuse BYU and Utah, but Michigan and Michigan <laughs> State. Again, I didn't go to college. so. Um, <laughs> but, but um, in fact, we hired our designer out of Clemson. And um, when we put this facility together, because our, our goal was not to just go find someone who had a design background, mm-hmm. but to someone who came out of a packaging school. Yeah. Because they're looking at the latest innovations, they understand the latest manufacturing technologies, and then teaching these young kids how to uh, understand what it takes to do what they're going to do in a real world application. Yeah. It's, it takes too many years like it did me. It took a lot of years for me to get to where I'm at, whereas these guys, these kids are stepping in, and, yeah. and they're able to make decisions and, and do things quickly because they understand the manufacturing process of right. various products, right? So it was, it was an easy choice for us to choose someone out of a, a good school, yeah. a packaging school. Yeah, a lot of these uh, more industrial you know, businesses in um environments like packaging is and packaging manufacturing, it provides a real incredible opportunity for kids, I think, coming up because there's the, you know, there, there, there's great jobs to be had in tech and, you know, finance and places like that. And certainly, you know, we need healthcare and things like that. Right. But man, some of the more, you know, blue collar jobs that, that are not going away, 
you can you can do well for yourself. You can you know you can make good money at it. I mean, there's yeah. no reason to uh, to not take a look at. It. If you're really in engineering, hey, look at packaging engineering. If you're into graphics, look at you know designing for designing art for packaging is a whole different. You start getting into yep. distortions on shrink sleeves and stuff like that. It's a Amazing. it's a whole new game. Yeah. Amazing technology and and I mean think of shrink sleeves in itself. I mean having to be able to proportionate your art and your graphics down so that it looks exactly right after it shrunk 70% this direction and 30% mm -hmm. that direction. I mean, it's amazing to see how how everyone has uh, and the masterminds of packaging have have been able to take some of these new materials and do amazing things with them. Right. Um, one of the things I was going to tell you and I had thought about this uh, when you were when you had asked to get together, there are a lot in the distribution world. I grew up in the distribution world, so yep. I know a lot, and I'm not a master of any of them. Yeah. I know a lot about films. I know a lot about foams. I know a lot about adhesives and corrugated and, and, and edge protection and all of that, right? But I'm not a master of any one of them. Mm -hmm. If I was to encourage someone into packaging today, I would encourage them to, to be very specific um, because each, and there's no one product that's really failing. There's some that are advancing faster, but some of your biofilms, um, some of your, your papers, the manufacturing on corrugated. I mean, look what Pratt's doing down in Texas and their milligators. I call them milligators. I don't actually know what they call them, but it's literally taking recycling, remaking the paper, and then sending boxes out the door. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's an amazing feat. Yeah. So they're 100% recycling content coming out. That's that's a wave of the future, right? right. I mean, it's uh, now of course they can only do it so often. Paper can only handle so much breakdown, right. but but for them to take good old uh, OCC and and make good solid uh, boxes out of it, yeah, it, that that withstand the shipping and everything, yes, and actually protect the product and still maintain you know the the certification of a 32 or 44 or 51 mm -hmm. whatever the the ECT property they're trying to get out of it they're still good solid materials yeah. um and and quite honestly the average consumer um only thinks they understand what recycling means yeah um but if you can convince them that what you're doing is the right thing for the environment by um, producing a higher level of, of recycled content in your paper or or films that are coming out that are actually going to be biodegradable. Mm -hmm. I actually see in the next few years biodegradable films being cost effective. Yeah. Right now they're they're very expensive and right. only only the very large organizations can afford to to you know use that material. Uh, the smaller consumers can't afford it yet. But I see that becoming more affordable because yeah. the the exons of the world, the the Dow Chemicals, all of them are, are producing phenomenal new materials and and um, substrates to be able to have that biodegradability. No, definitely. Um, I've got a uh, um, I've got a, an interview scheduled with somebody from Dow actually to talk about oh, the same thing. Yeah, um, great people. And, and that's kind of the we'll, we'll sort of go um, go there and then we'll we'll kind of wrap it up at the end. So you started to talk about the future of of packaging, whether it's in films or maybe it's in corrugated or um, you know. Uh, protection, internal and external protection, whether it's foam or paper or bubble wrap or whatever it is. Something, I mean, we're going to look 10 years back on this time and we're going to go, can you believe we did 
insert oh. whatever it is because we would look back 10 years ago and go can you believe that that was something and maybe that right. maybe the, the rate of change in packaging isn't as fast as everybody would like it to be right. um, but what are some trends that you see you know you mentioned like the biodegradable films um, that you really see taking off uh, in, in, in any part of the industry whether it's corrugated or um, it could be manufacturing it could be substrates it could be buying patterns it could be tech, you know, um, whatever it is. So I think, I think what you're seeing in packaging um, is always a direct representation of what markets are doing. Yeah. So what the consumer is driving. And, and with the, the driving of e-commerce, I want it faster. Um, but I want it to be pretty. I want to have this emotional experience, right? Yeah. Um, so I think what you're you're seeing is, in my opinion, you're starting to see more equipment to that will be able to produce faster what the consumer is looking for. For example, if I add two more sections to the piece of equipment I've installed, I can print inside and out. Mm-hmm. Um, or even one more section, and I can print it in a single pass. And, and now it becomes this emotional experience for consumers, right? Consumers want to be able to look at a package and throw it away because really they're wanting to, they want, uh, the, product. They want the product itself. Right. And so I think you may see a reduction in the amount of packaging being sent directly to a client or, or to a, an end customer, and for it to be higher graphics, more pop, but show up in a plain brown box. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think you'll see more simple logos or no logos, but the inside of the box being more printed yeah. so that when they, when they receive it, they remember who they bought it from. Right. Um, you know, the consumer itself is, because of its um, uh, focus on the product that they're buying and not the packaging. I mean, look at Apple. Apple did some phenomenal stuff and has and continues to do so. Oh yeah. Um, people save their away. packaging. I never throw it away. People I, buy it on eBay. Yes, they and buy and buy Apple blank boxes. It's amazing, and it's because of the engineering that went into it. It is just phenomenal, and so so. Those who appreciate it will continue to buy certain products. Those who don't, the the average manufacturer. Is, is having to look and, and be more considerate of what they want it to look like because the um, emotional experience, the, for whatever reason, our world has gone emotional um, and, and it has to be an emotional experience for everything I do, right? So, so their focus will be on that customer experience only mm-hmm. um, because when we made boxes for years and years, it was a master pack being sent to a distribution center mm-hmm. and now it's being sent directly to the consumer. To the customer, right. And so, so the, the box itself, the average sizes are shrinking mm-hmm. and, and, so, and the amount of dunnage that's being put in is either being eliminated completely or very little mm-hmm. um, or the dunnage that they're doing is printed so that people have that that experience right, right. so so it's it's a long-winded uh, statement to be able to say the average consumer could care less the higher end consumer wants that experience yep. but they all want it as fast as they can get it and so i think from our standpoint and the reason we built our facility is so that i can turn boxes um, at least three to five times faster than the average manufacturer so that the smaller consumers can, can yeah. get their product quicker. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been an interesting thing, and I, I agree with you. It doesn't seem like it's slowing down where 
you know, it used to be you really had to compete on the retail shelf. That was where your packaging, yep. and that still is a thing. Oh, sure. Um, and, and that's not going away. I mean, Amazon bought Whole Foods for a reason. They've <laughs> yeah. got, I mean, yep. there. I saw an Amazon four-star brick-and-mortar store at Park Meadows where they just took all of the best-rated products from the area and just shipped them there to Park Meadows. And you just go in and buy them. I was like, this is genius. Yeah. Um, so well, that, the algorithms they use oh, and, and the way that they know what consumers are going to buy in that region and how many they're going to buy, genius. I, I, yeah. I, again, if people understand how great some of those things are, mm -hmm. um, they would just be in awe. And because of things like e-commerce and, and, and Amazon and the like, you're, you're now also competing at the home. You're competing on a... Yeah. On, and you can't control the lighting. You don't control the facing. You don't control the the point of purchase display. Correct. It's so it's it's got to be an experience. I mean, people have always been. We've always bought emotionally. Uh, there's yeah. a fantastic book. It's called it's called The Righteous Mind: Why Good People Divide Over Religion and Politics uh -huh. by this uh, this guy named Jonathan Haidt. But he talks about how people are emotional elephants trying to be steered by an intellectual writer. Yeah. You know, we're, that's just our, our biology. It's who we are. We are emotional. And so these unboxing videos and creating that experience makes an indelible mark on, on every person. It's not, yeah. I don't even think it's just the high end consumers. I think it's, it's, it's kind of becoming everybody. It's, yeah. it's this thing that people need. So I, I completely agree where, you know, maybe putting that color on the inside of the box while, you know, somebody in, you know, procurement or supply chain might go like, this is silly. It's, it's costing us X. And you're yep. like, yeah, but our sales have increased by 30% yeah. because yep. we did this thing. And so those are the dances that I think a lot of brands are, are starting to play now. And, and I agree. I don't, it's not slowing down. No. Certainly. Um, well, I mean, look at the look at the corrugated industry just as a specific industry, the growth that it's had since the the uh, concept of e-commerce coming out. Um, e-commerce has driven sales through the roof mm -hmm. because people don't have to go to the store. They don't have to go and, and sit there and look at five of the exact same product, all with different printing on the box. And, and which which right. box made me buy that, uh, which printing, whereas online I can sit here and say I want one of those and two of those and three of those, and they arrive to me next day or within mm -hmm. two days, right? Or same day. Now. Or same day in right. some cases, right? So so you think about the speed at which people have to react. And and this is, this is one of the things I've been thinking about is that the reason visible supply chain management is going to continue to be successful is because there are entrepreneurs out there who don't understand brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. They don't understand what it takes to run a warehouse. They don't understand pick and pack fees they, and what it costs them to pick and pack an order. They don't understand their, their negotiating contracts on parcel um, with the UPS, FedEx, right. USPS, DHL, whoever. Um, Visible understands those things. And so I believe that in the future, you will see a lot of businesses grow with no brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. We've already seen some. Sure. But, but I think the reason Visible will continue to grow at the rate that it has is because there's a lot of genius people out there who know how to create products. Mm -hmm but don't understand that other side of the business. So they'll look to people like us yeah. who, who know that, who are willing to, to package it correctly, help them have that emotional experience mm -hmm. and, and be able to get their consumer the product sooner than, yeah. what, than what they're doing, it, even themselves. 
Well, this has been uh, great. I mean, I've, I've loved to get to know you even the first time we talked, and then yep. this has been even even cool. I'm sure we could talk for, for quite a while, but we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and kind of wrap it up there. So if people want to get a hold of you or they want to learn about, you know, visible packaging, visible supply chain, what's maybe the best way for them to, to reach out? Some people are, you know, they, they prefer LinkedIn uh, because, you know, they get messages yeah. on there. That's probably the most common, but if... You know what would be the what would be the best way for somebody so, to reach out? So if you're if you're wanting to get a hold of me personally, um, LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn, of course. Um, but you know, email me Jeff.bean at visiblescm.com okay. or call me. Um, you okay. know, it's it's all right there. I am I, I am one that's willing to share to help. Um, I feel like people need knowledge, mm -hmm. and if I have something that they don't have, I want to share it. Yep. Um, I want to be able to help people grow. I'm a people person. I, I, I love my employees. I love the people I work with. But yeah. but you're Jeff, like dapping people up coming through here. But you could tell it was a yeah. It wasn't just like a, you know a thing of show. It was well, like these are my know. family. This these these people yeah. they work with me on purpose, and it's because I, I do everything we can to take care of them and and teach them what I know mm -hmm. um, to make them better and, and stronger uh, with knowledge that I have. It doesn't mean it's necessarily going to make them better, but I know stuff they don't, right? Yeah. And they know stuff I don't, right. so it helps us. But but yeah, if if uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn or jeff.bean at visiblescm.com. Okay. I'll make sure to put that in the notes, too, yeah, so that'd they can be just great. click on it and they can send you something. So. That'd be awesome. Well, Jeff, this has been great, and um, thanks for taking some time out. Thank and, you, Adam. All right. I, I appreciate it. This will conclude episode 15 of the People of Packaging podcast. We'd like to thank our guest, Mr. Jeff Bean, for sharing his experiences and insights with us. And while we're still in this shelter-in-place uh, time period with this COVID-19, we hope that you and your families are continuing to be safe and stay healthy. And from... My co-host Adam and I, we'd like to say we'll see you guys at the next episode. Until then, signing off. <laughs>